Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Another week, another episode here. Boys, we are now on episode 67 since the relaunch. Nick McVicker joined in studio by my two great co-hosts. You mean through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone, but you know, I'm in studio. <laughs> joined as always by my two great co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing good. I'm ready to talk sports, so it's a, it's a great day. It is always a great day when we get to talk sports. And Irfan, how are you doing, man? Chilling. Uh, excited. The sun's out. I'm good. So if we can see the sun in your background. I know. <laughs> if it's not, if the shades aren't open, you guys can't see anything in this room. It's, That's a valid got to fix the lights. Yeah. That's a valid point. Well, we got a lot of sports to talk about. Obviously, wildcard weekend happened last week. We got some huge news in the NBA, but I want to start in the NHL in our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrara brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And boys, we are very lucky to be joined by the host of 20 Minutes on Ice, our hockey-specific podcast, and obviously a good friend of mine, Ryan Haslett. Ryan, how are you doing today, my man? Pretty good, gentlemen. How's it going? Always good. Always good. Always living the life, you say. <laughs> it just sounds like when we were back at work, we always say the same thing. I will live in the life. <laughs> uh, to be honest, it's any day I'm not at work, uh, I'm living the life. <laughs> Good call, Kyle. Good call. This is a bit different setup than uh, than you and me, Nick, for 20 minutes. I mean, usually it's deep in the heart heart of nighttime when, when no one's awake, and now uh, this is a much different recording time for me. A little early for Ryan, guys. Just a little. <laughs> yeah, I think Nick owes you a coffee or something now. Hey, hold on, hold on. We're not paying people out here. <laughs> well, just Ryan, though, because Ryan's cool. It's all yes, good. But I invited him to come. He didn't have to join. <laughs> Just uh, Uber, Uber eats him some coffee. It's fine. Yeah, I agree. Kyle and I, uh, two against one. Oh, I'm getting outvoted here. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, we're having you on the show because we want to talk hockey because guess what, boys? The NHL is back. We waited three months. We made it. And we got to watch some actual live NHL games this week. And to be honest, it was entertaining because there was a lot of interesting games, a lot of interesting outcomes. Ryan, I want to start with you. What surprised you the most about the first three days of hockey? <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, that we only had the Dallas situation that was postponed. Um, I, I really thought going into the season that we would have to worry about switching. Uh, not worry. Uh, we were going to have situations where games were switched around, and that was just part of the season. But I'm really surprised that going into the season, there was only one team with a situation that had to 
postponed their games. And then beyond that, it was just nice to have hockey back on the TV to, to entertain me each night. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's a big story. And I kind of want to get into that. The, uh, the postponements because of COVID again, Dallas is the only team, but there's been some different changes that were, that are being implemented in the NHL coaches having to wear masks on the bench. Although I don't know if you guys noticed a lot of them are, you know, wearing them over their mouth. So half the battles being won. <laughs> over their mouth, mouth, even mouth is generous at certain points. There's some most. Hold on, have, most most of them are around their mouth at least. I will give them half. Half the coaches are wearing them as chin straps right now. So it's their necks are cold. I don't know. Necks are cold. Um, and I mean, we get to see some interesting intros because they have to still be six feet apart when they don't have their helmets on. <laughs> it's ridiculous, by the way. The protocols are in place, and that's a good that, that's a good idea. Implementing them into this uh, fraternity of hockey players, who it may not be a cocky attitude, but there's definitely a culture of uh, immunity. I would think in, in that in that group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that uh, trying to implement those ideas is definitely going to be tough. Uh, during the first the Wednesday, the first night of action, it was. 90 seconds into the Vancouver Edmonton game, and I'm watching Travis Green on the bench pull down his mask three times just to communicate with players. It's like, at this point, you need to understand for the safety of everyone, uh, you keep the mask on, you communicate in the best way you can. The referees must be aware that there must be some more leniency uh, when the coaches want to communicate. You need to give them more time because you may not be able to hear them as well, and that's just the facts like mm-hmm. people all need to, to work together here and i'm not blaming the nhl um i don't think they've just given up i just think further training and imp- implementation will be needed absolutely and uh kyle what, what do you think is going to be the biggest impact of all these uh restrictions we'll call them for now considering they're not actually being implemented properly um I don't know if they're going to have a huge impact to be honest i, I think it's just going to be just a learning curve is really what it's going to become um, obviously the coaches want to yell at the players in the ice and apparently they can't do that with the mask on is what it seems to be the, the issue um, but I, I think it's just the, the, the coaches got to learn if they're going to do that they do it for a second and put it right back up it seems like they, they almost forget that they take their mask off and then they just kind of like just hold it there on their chin or whatever it may be um, but to be honest I, I don't know if it's going to have a huge impact on the other hand I love the fact that the backup goalie has to wear a mask, um, but the players on the bench don't. <laughs> you just see the players with, just with no face mask or anything, just not wearing a mask, and then the goalie beside him just going like this with the with the mask on his face. And I just find that the, the funniest thing ever. I don't, I don't know. I, no, I, it's it's hilarious, and I think it's going to become a meme at some point when you're the only masker in your group of friends <laughs> or something. Exactly. Maybe but, we'll put that out there as, as a joke. For uh, for wearing masks, the trainers uh, seem you know they 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 know what they're doing. They're wearing them in return to play, anyways. Uh, yeah, backup goalies do it successfully, and it's the coaches who uh, just don't seem to, to put the pieces together here. They just they don't understand. It's basically what it is. I don't I don't I don't know why. But... I mean, it's it's a change, right? And people are just so used to having things one way and then not being able to communicate is a big thing. And I don't know if it played into a factor, but we've seen a few bench miners in the first three days of hockey that I don't know if they were because of miscommunication 
or players just not having those couple preseason games to get things kind of sorted out. Like, I mean, that Leaf one in their first game was awful. <laughs> Hyman comes off and VC jumps on, and then they both just stand there, look at each other, and then Hyman touches the puck. Like, what is going on, boys? <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where maybe the communication has played a small, I'm talking very, very small factor in those bench miners, but I don't think it'll be a huge impact moving forward. Kyle, what was your biggest surprise of the first three days? Um, oh God, first three days. Uh, Would you like me to come back? I can. I can ask her. No, on, I th- <laughs> honestly, I, th- I think it's probably the high scoring. Um, I, I we we always knew there was gonna be a, like we always knew the NHL was trending towards you know, well, I guess more competitive games is what they were really trying to get to. No, they weren't. Um, they wanted goal scoring. Well, of course, they wanted goal scoring, but they wanted to be competitive at the same time. Like, you look at Washington-Buffalo, like, it was 6-4 on the second night. Um, but it was just the like, just the amount of sheer goals in the in the first couple of games. It's just it, it's surprising to me because I didn't think the players are never going to be ready. Obviously, I think it, take, it takes probably the goalies a little bit more to get ready comparatively to the players themselves, um, which is maybe what was showing potentially. But uh, still, I just – I wasn't – Obviously, when it comes to Leafs in the opening night, I knew it. I was expecting it. It was going to be seven-plus goals. It just happens to be that way. The Leafs-Canadians game, it's always that way, isn't it? Yeah, it was It was like somebody we followed on Twitter for the betting house was took the under in the game. I'm like, you're a complete moron. Like, you never take the Leafs under on an opening night. It just doesn't happen. For the first, like, month of the season, do you take the Leafs under? But, but yeah, no, I think that was probably my biggest surprise um, is, is the, the gap in, in certain games as well. So, Well, Irfan, I know you've had some connection issues and you dipped out on our uh, conversation about face masks, but what, uh, what was your biggest surprise through the first three days of the season? Um, the fact that I thought teams that didn't play since March would be rusty, but some of them came out to play. Like, um, I'll give Ottawa as an example. I thought Buffalo wasn't bad opening night. They were outplayed for parts of the game, but, you know, they played better than I thought they would. Um, Minnesota, L.A. was a pretty decent game with the youngsters on both sides playing well. So I'm surprised and happy that the rust didn't play a factor because I think these kids were training and most of the players were training and, and staying fit, which is something I appreciate. And also the fact that Kyle just mentioned it, the score lines were ridiculous at one point, right? Like that's a lot of goals. It's a lot of goals, um, but it's good for the fans. Cause I think we've missed hockey for a very long time. I mean, three months is a pretty long time. Um, and especially with the pandemic, we didn't know if we we're going to have a season. So I appreciate the goals. Um, and then another thing is the teams we thought were bad were really bad. Like, <laughs> like really bad. Oh, my God. The Chicago Blackhawks didn't score a goal because they were all Tampa Bay goals um, on opening night. So um, it's going to stay the same for teams like that who we thought are going to be crappy. You're going to stay crappy because they just don't really have anything going forward. So, um some stuff we, we saw coming and other things which is like, wow, all right, cool. This is good. Yeah, I think, I think you have it. You nailed it on the head there. Um, th- there was no real surprises. Detroit getting shut out in their first game. Don't think anyone was surprised by that. Although, give Thomas Grice credit. He actually played well giving up three goals in that game. I was going to say, I'm honestly surprised it wasn't worse. It, it should have been, 100%. I'm, I'm just saying, sure, like. I'm pretty sure Detroit had 18 total shots. Was it 18? I thought it was less than that, actually. It was, it was like 14. 14? Okay. 14 yeah, to 43. It was like stupid. It was like oh. 45 to 14. And one of those goals was an empty net, too. So, like, it literally could have been way worse. 
Absolutely. I think uh, I think Grace stood on his head for that Red Wings team. Ryan looks looks like you want to say something. I'm gonna let you go. But I'm just listening, and I agree. Uh, you know, the the bad teams are bad. Uh, Ottawa stuck in there with Toronto from what we've seen so far. Um, Chicago, they're just gonna be a dumpster fire this year. Oh, it's not Chicago's year. But uh, going back to the you know the too many men on the ice calls or all the defensive breakdowns like. Just watching the highlights of the eight nothing Colorado St. Louis games. How many times did Colorado get into point blank range in the center of the ice? And I wouldn't say I would attribute the all these breakdowns to the fact that teams only got a two week or week and a half training camp, no preseason games. So all of those things that you necessarily don't see that are worked out in the preseason are now going to be worked out on in front of your eyes on television mm-hmm. during the regular season. So we're going to have this, uh, I would give it about a month. It usually is of, you know, choppy play giveaways, teams not playing like they should. So you're going to find a team that's either at the top or bottom of the standings. And then by the time the end of um, February rolls around, you're probably going to see that flip and people are going to start falling uh, in the area that they're going to finish uh, in the standings for the season for sure and i think unless you're dave tippett who will call out his team on opening night um <laughs> that was the only coach that really said much about his team's performance the other guys were like well we'll take a couple of days i mean sheldon Keefe said the same thing as you know we'll take a couple of days we'll see what we need to do we'll evaluate the mistakes and then give us a couple of games right and then dave tippett's like no larson sucked this guy didn't do well this guy didn't do well and we're like okay it's game one and vancouver's not a bad team so are there certain teams that can't afford for them their month to pass and, and to, to get their play up to speed? Well, I guess it's the Oilers that can't afford it. Right? I, I would actually, I'm going to argue that the teams that we, that need to do well, like Toronto, Edmonton, um, you can throw Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, those teams that expect to do well, you can't struggle through one month because every single game that you play, is in your division this year, which means it means so much more because every single game is a four-point game, basically. Mm -hmm. So I can understand if we see a lot of coaches calling their teams out in week two, week three, week four, just because they need to light the fire early or else you fall significantly behind where you need to be to make the playoffs in an all-divisional season. Coaches that will call out their teams, it it all depends on expectations. So – the, the team that is expected to do well. I'm, I'm, let's look at Toronto. Let's look at Edmonton, who needs to get going. Calgary would fall into this. Those are the teams that are going to be called out because they're expected to do well and they don't have the time. Let's look at someone like uh, Ottawa, Chicago, Detroit, those teams that we've talked about. Uh, there's more patience for those teams. So they may not necessarily be, be called out. The teams that are impatient uh, will be quicker to call out their players. 100%. And that, that's the key is that it's the teams that are expected to do well, that their fan bases need them to do well, that the coaches are going to feel it the most, and they're the ones who are going to call out their teams. Speaking of calling out, I got one quick thing, and Ryan, we'll get you out of here. I know, I know you have family, so <laughs> we don't. But one, one thing came out yesterday is Jakob Voracek calling out the reporter asking him a question. And basically calling him a shithead. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said that pretty much that this guy makes up whatever story he wants after asking him a question. He answered the question after calling him a shithead and then said, I'm never answering another question from you. 
That's, hey, that's fair. At least he, 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 that the part after answering the question, uh, that's fair because at least he's now he's answered his question and then he laid down the rules. Like, I don't like you or respect you. I'm not answering your questions anymore. On the flip side, uh, it's really hard to get players to understand. You're not talking to Joe Smith, whoever the reporter is. You need to use Joe Smith to get whatever you're saying to the fans. You need to use Joe Smith as your audio Twitter feed or, or whatever. Like you can't hold Joe Smith accountable. Joe Smith's going to write some dumb stuff. I don't even know who the reporter was. So I'm coming up with Joe Smith. Joe Smith is going to write some dumb stuff. And those are opinion pieces. And it's just like this podcast. You can choose to ignore it, but you've got to use those media members to get your messaging out to the fans. And that's players and coaches who need to, realize that these uh just ignore the reporter and just use them for your message yeah and uh, just so everyone knows it was mike sielski of the pittsburgh inquirer who Vorchek called out and he called him a weasel and it was just philadelphia inquirer sorry didn't i say philadelphia inquirer yeah did i say pittsburgh yeah, yeah. I'm at Philadelphia. It, it is. It is. It's all good. Pennsylvania City. It starts with yeah. a P. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's one of those, like, I understand where Vortex coming from because if, if there is a, you know, recurring theme of, of just BS articles being put out by this guy that no matter what they say, he twists their words or, or does something else, then I totally understand where he's coming from. Um, at the same point, yeah, it, this is this it's the same thing with like Kyrie, right? Like in the NBA, it's just one of those like the media or media. They're not like they're not there to make your life easy. That, that's not really their job. It is they're 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 trying to deep dive. They're trying to get all the answers that they want. They're trying to twist like in a way you don't hope that they're there to twist your words, but they really are because that gives them more intriguing articles compared to like just if they just straight up said what you said, uh, unless it's just a complete off the wall statement but um it's one of those i think the media have to be put in their place at a certain point you can't just keep doing this and then otherwise the players just won't respond to you and that's just simple as that um and but at the same point players gotta realize like that's their job so yeah and i think i think the big thing there was that it sounds like Vorchek thought this guy was taking what he was saying and making just making up stuff as well which if you're a media member, you can't do. Like you, you do not make up stories based off of what a player says. That's not how it works. You can speculate and you have to say it's speculation, but you cannot just make up stories. And that, that's where the big issue comes from. Right, Ryan? Yeah, the, the, this media member and a lot of media members do do a good job of understanding that they have to cultivate relationships and they have to, you, you have to show a good face for the team and then you'll get good content. Uh, usually in return uh, there's some people who do understand this idea uh, and then can't execute it and I would uh, cite probably Steve Simmons here in Toronto but and you know and I'd put throw Damian Cox into that category too and that's just my opinion but uh, yeah the media and the players there's always going to be a disconnect and unfortunately you would like to see them understand what the end goal is they're both working to get the message out to fans and media don't understand that sometimes a lot of the time and players don't understand that a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's, it's a fine balance between getting a story and 
trying to push for a story. And it's, it's very, very tough when you're in those press conferences, asking questions, trying to continually ask a deep enough question to get a good story. It's, it's tough. And the players know that, but if you're continuing to berate a player or continuing to say certain things towards a player or ask a specific question that they don't want to answer, you're going to get responses like the Voracek one. And I'm not saying that's what the case was in this case, because I really don't know why he decided to go off on Zielski. Like there's no, there's no real indication. At least one part is, so it looks like uh, Sam Chichardi or Kachardi said trading Jacob Voracek for PK Subban makes sense in 2019. He tweeted that out. And then, Mike responded saying trading Jacob Voracek for Kate Smith makes more sense for the Flyers at this point. Right. But at the same so. time, that's like a year and a half ago. Oh, and this yeah. guy's been go this guy's been asking questions for a year and a half. Roughly. Yeah. I mean, I know there's I know there's been two big breaks in that time frame, but still, you know what I mean, right? I was gonna say he he could have it could have just been that they haven't, you know, had a question from each other since then or potentially not matched up or whatever it may be, but who knows? Maybe, but that's in a year and a half, as the Philadelphia Flyers reporter for the newspaper, I feel like he would have had to ask a question to Jacob Voracek, one of the top players on the Flyers, at some point. Voracek there just showed his hand. Like, yeah, yeah you're following Twitter. You're paying attention to the media, and maybe you're a little bit too involved in what the media is saying. Like, mm-hmm. players will sit there and give you the generic quotes. Oh, we're not really – you know, that's outside the room. We're not really paying attention to that. No. You're too busy. You're looking at the quotes. You're Googling your name. You're trying to figure out what's going on. And, uh, yeah, Voracek kind of showed his hand there. So, uh, for me, this is a situation both parties are to blame. Uh, Media members probably crossed several lines, uh, not respecting the relationship. And Voracek is too involved in what this guy is saying. Just play the game, answer your questions, talk to the fans. Play the game, get off the ice, go back home. That's your, that's the game plan for 2021, boys. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not the guy who doesn't want to hear these players' opinions. Like, let yeah. me hear your political opinions. You're entitled to them, and I don't have to agree with them, or I can't agree with that's them. That's the key. You don't have to agree with them. <laughs> I want to hear what the players have to say, and I'm not I'm not the guy to say shut up and play hockey. No, it, it's Borchek to me uh, has indicated that he has followed this guy. And it's a this what this guy has said has affected Voracek. Like, think about there's the homeless guy without a shirt in the middle of winter screaming on the cor- the street corner. It's easy to ignore that guy because he's just blathering out whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way you got to treat these crazy media members as well. If this guy is going like, oh, uh, Voracek should be traded for our anthem singer, you got to just move along. Like, oh, this guy is ridiculous. No, for sure. I, I think I, I think that's a valid point. And I think it's just hard to it's hard to separate, right? Like these guys are professional athletes, but at the same time, they're human, right? Like you you see what people are saying about you. It's hard to separate it sometimes. And you know it's media, but and they need to come up with stories. Yeah. But it's so hard. Like if, if people were saying that same stuff about you, you you it would affect you a little bit you would try to push it away but it, you would hear it you would know what was happening so I, w- I would go for the spectacle and just try and make a big thing out of it you mean like Voracek just did I would, go, I would go jump over the table and go after and all. I would just make a big Kyle would go uh, full Bills Mafia on him and 100%. throw him through uh, a table I pull a Marshawn Lynch guys Marshawn Lynch I'm, I'm yeah, here man. because I'll get fined I'm just here so I won't get when, fined when he comes and starts talking to me that's my response I'm just here so I won't get fined or you pulled didn't I'll jump over the table. 
took over the laptop that's hosting the Zoom meeting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then as <laughs> Green's all crackly, he just leans over. This meeting's over. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> just, just Gronk smashed the laptops. Ah. I'm pretty sure it's a, an actual camera connected to a laptop now, so it would be even more entertaining because Kyle would pick up the laptop, bringing it in front of the camera, and just drop it. Oh, I, I, I would do like a full WWE like intro, like promo style, like. <laughs> Just fa- I grab the camera at the end, just put it right in front of my face. Make sure you do a Triple H while you're at it. Just spit the water into the camera. <laughs> RKO the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stone cold. Speaking of cameras, though, sorry, Nick, I'm going to go off topic here. But yes, I don't understand why teams can't set up. Like, I'm at home, and I'm my goal is to set up a well-lit, good-looking. I saw your tweet about this. <laughs> <laughs> NHL teams can't use the money that they have and they're not making money this year just to put together spaces that look good for these media conferences. I don't need to see Mitch Marner in his basement with his headset on answering media questions. Like it, it should be a well lit, good audio area. And these things should look like a television production. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's, it's not that complicated. Like, I mean, we've kind of set up a better system here for garage door sports than they have for, <laughs> for media members, which is ridiculous to say because they have the media room. The media room is there. That means they have an audio board because it has to be connected to the speakers in the media room to get people to get answers when media are actually there. So they have the audio board. All you got to do is connect the audio board to the computer instead of the speakers. I know it's a baffling thought. I totally understand that. But, man, come on. It's not hard. Someone so put it audio should be fine. And then the next issue is the camera and the lighting. Well, the lighting should be fine because it's the normal media room. Nothing should change there. And the camera, I, I find it very hard that note that the teams don't have cameras because they all have to make commercials, which I know they can, can outsource, but they probably have cameras floating around that they could use that are probably good quality. It baffles me. I don't believe that that's the case. I think they're just trying to go as bare minimum as they have to because they don't want to do teardown afterwards. Yeah, yeah. They're using a Nokia flip phone camera right now to do the. Some of them. Some of them are even worse than that. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, it's yeah, awful. Ryan, I saw your tweet about that, and I was dying because I'm like, oh my god, I didn't even think about that, but it's so true. It's like, like just get up to a standard or something, like. Like have some sort of like pride. Like this is how things are going to be. Get used to it and do a good job about it. Like just and you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I have no problem with that trend continuing. Like with media members not being in the same room as the players moving forward. I don't care. I don't need to be in the room as I'm asking a question to someone. If they get my question and I get a response, I don't care where I am in the world. I could be sitting in my room on my bed asking the question. No video. Obviously, that would be weird, but I don't care where I am as long as they answer the question. So if that's the trend moving forward, make it a standard, make it consistent. I don't care how you have to do it, but it should be easy to do, especially because you already have most, if not all of the equipment. Like, it's just baffling to me. I think the only reason uh, you have media members there in a normal year is because they're actually at the game and get a feel for the game, which is that's part of it. But yeah everyone uh, doesn't necessarily need to congregate. Like the people who want to co congregate at the, at the end of the game to get those quotes can, 
but I think the Zoom options should still be open to have those questions come in. Like for me, if I'm at the game, I w- I'm at the game, I'm in the press box doing that. That's fine. I think after the game, I'd probably stay in the press box. All my shit's already set up. I don't want to have to run down, get my quote, run back up, rewrite my story. I I can stay there, ask my question, and write my story as I'm getting the answer. Like, why, why would I want to go down to another room, uh, pack everything up, go down to another room, and ask my question, run back up, unpack everything, write it, and then send it off, and then pack everything up again to leave. Like that you doesn't don't make do sense. The, you don't want to do the reporters thing and run around crazy before and after a game. Before a game is fine, <laughs> but once you're set up, why would you want to unpack? That's true. Pack up, unpack, and then pack up again at the end of a game, all within thirty minutes. It the good thing about this is, if they continue, I guess, the video chat in the virtual way, um, you can get people from the UK and Europe yeah. who can't stay up for games or want to stay up for games, for example. Um, able to communicate and connect and i think that would grow the the nhl brand further that sure. way and i think that's super important for our for our league because you know there's teams coming up there's leagues coming up all across the world and using the nhl as an example because it is the best league in the world that's probably what they need to continue so i agree with ryan fix up your room a little bit use an iphone camera instead of a nokia camera or something you know you're telling me tsn reporters like they have a whole setup that was sent to them by the network the NHL couldn't have arranged something. Teams couldn't have arranged something on their own. Like go, you, you've made deals with local broadcasters. Make a deal with them as far as, hey, can you guys help us? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Leafs have done it. They have their own network. So uh, when Paul Hendricks was working for Leafs TV, he always got the first question in every scrum. That was the deal. So you make the deal with whatever, NBC Sports Philadelphia. They come set up the areas for you. And if you do that, we'll give you the first question in every scrum. And the best part is it's one camera. It's not like there's multiple cameras going into these events. It's one camera. That's all you need. Yep. You already have the audio. (laughs) It's it's, it's really simple. And it's it's not being done by a lot of teams. No. Well... That was a lot of hockey, boys. We're going to end the kickoff segment here. This segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at, at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. Ryan, thank you for joining us, man. You and me will talk soon, obviously, because we have to you know, do another show this week. <laughs> I'm just going to head back into my warp zone behind me here, and I'll talk <laughs> Yeah, you're going into that black hole that keeps changing colors. Or... <laughs> Love it. All right, man. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Me and Ryan will be on 20 Minutes on Ice on Tuesday. Our next episode drops. Make sure you check that out. Lots of fun talk to be had there as well. I mean, similar to what we just did, but, you know, different topics. <laughs> and a game, which, by the way, I've gotten some great compliments on the games that we play. So, great job, Ryan. Awesome. Well done. Guys, appreciate you having me no worries. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. We will take a quick break here and we will be back to bring you some NBA talk after this. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network.
We are back, folks, and after the NHL conversation, let's flip to another major sport in North America, NBA. And this week, the NBA decided that they didn't want to let the NHL have their opening night. They wanted to break the mold. And boy, did they ever. James Harden, the oft-talked-about superstar in Houston, is, well, no longer in Houston. After Tuesday night, he said that the situation in Houston was, I believe it was unfixable? (laughs) Something along those lines? Something along those lines, yeah. And then less than 24 hours later, he was on his way to Brooklyn in a four-team mega deal. Let me read this out to you, boys. Brooklyn gets James Harden. That that's all they get. That's all they're gonna get. Didn't they get a second round pick in there nope, as well? They got James Harden. Nope. The Indiana Pacers get Chris Levert and a second round pick. The Cleveland Cavaliers got who did who do the Cavs get? Jared Allen and Torian Prince. Right. They got Allen and Prince. And then the Houston Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, uh, Rodion's Kurak. I, I'm, I'm going to say that name wrong, but I tried. Four guaranteed first-round picks, and then four first-round pick swaps with Brooklyn. And by the way, Irvine is right. They did get a second-round pick. Did they? Yeah. I only saw I only saw Harden going to the Nets. They got a future future second round pick from the Cavs. That must have been added in late because I didn't see that. But yeah, regardless, they lost the players. But regardless, that's a lot of first round picks going to Houston boys. <laughs> four guaranteed new first round picks, and then the better of the four swaps yep. between them and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance that. The three players in Brooklyn that are the big three in Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. There's a chance that they're not there next year. All their contracts are up after this year. Yeah. Well, so the Nets could be back. Durant, Durant has an opt out. Sorry, yes, they, he's an opt out. But the other two are done, right? Yeah. That's that's a lot to give up for Brooklyn just for possibly one year of a big three. That might not even be a big three if Kyrie decides he doesn't want to play. To be honest, you're looking at this could be the Celtics all over again with the Nets like in the early 2000s with the Garnett Pierce that early era, yeah. right? So, so which which basically set up the Celtics to who they are now. Yeah, is basically what it did. Um, the other thing is you're you're kind of looking at what the Clippers did with Paul George, and, and trying to really compete in that aspect and basically going all in, saying, "Hey, we got Kawhi." Now we want Paul George. This is what can happen. So now the Nets are going. Hey, we got Kyrie potentially. We'll see what happens with that. Um, they have Durant, and obviously, apparently, they wanted to play together. So it's uh, it's definitely an, it, it's an interesting trade for sure. Um, I don't understand the whole flipping Levert for Oladipo thing from Houston. That absolutely follows my mind for a second, but. Um, I, I think it's it's definitely a high price, but you had to pay a high price to get him. That was as simple as that. Um, apparently, the Celtics were in on it too, and it was just too high of a price because they were asking for like Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, three first round picks, and whatever. So, um, and I get what you're saying about yeah. the the Paul George thing too, but the difference was Paul George signed an extension. Fair, right? Just before the trade happened, so he was signed for multiple years. 
which means I, yeah. you're I, I guaranteeing I that Kawhi. But I, I understand that, and I'm not saying that he's going to go anywhere. But yeah. in the Paul George situation, Kawhi was signed for at least two years. Yeah. Paul George was had just signed an extension, so you knew he was sort of staying. You literally don't know if any of the three will be back next year for Brooklyn. I, I mean, Kyrie Durant has to opt out, which is likely he'll opt out, but possibly resign just because he wants more money. Which, welcome, to, welcome yeah. to the NBA. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if he'll get more money at this point. To be honest, I'm not saying they will, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. he might opt out just to try to get more money from somebody. Fair, right? Harden could walk just because the situation doesn't work. Like, we don't know how this situation with the three of them is going to work. Again, if all three play, because we'll get into the Kyrie mess that is after. But just this could potentially, like, destroy Brooklyn for a few years. For sure, yeah. Which is dangerous to say, right, Irfan? It's going to make them restart. Like, I think it's – they gave up a little too much for a guy whose attitude – Stinks, mm-hmm. um, and they have another guy on that team whose attitude sucks. And I mean, that's two massive personalities that may or may not make this team work. And it might, you know, you know what? There's so much talent with the three of them that this team could win anything and everything. But at the same time, they can have an issue and be the worst team in the league or struggle because they just can't figure it out. And I, I remember tweeting out a couple of days ago, I was like, who's gonna get the ball? They're all players that need the ball and need to be able to distribute the ball that's another issue but obviously with Mike D'Antoni over uh with the Nets um they have an inside track on James Harden and his ability to play which is fine but I I I looked at this trade and I think the Rockets won by far still kept a very good team uh a veteran team a young team and and I know you said Levert was the question mark with that switch with Oladipo but Oladipo is a fantastic two-way player that I think the Rockets are going to be a little bit more greedier and tougher to play when it comes to the playoffs and watch out for this Rockets team. I think they're better than they were with, with James Harden. And, and that's, that's a weird thing to say when you have a perennial star and an MVP on your team, but this Rockets team is going to be an, uh, a selfless um, working hard. We're going to prove to, to Harden that he made a mistake team. And um, the Nets, if this continues and they keep doing this every 10 years where they give up their farm and their picks and their potential to grow the Nets are just going to be a shitty team. So uh, I, I thought, no, honestly, I thought they call learned, them out, like, call them out. Irfan. I love it. I mean, I thought, I honestly thought that they would learn from picking up Paul Pierce and Kevin, uh, Kevin Grant, like, um, like Garnett. don't get Gar- Garnett. Sorry. I keep messing Durant and thing up, but, but, but like you would learn they were, they were veterans and very good players and championship caliber players, but they gave up so much to get those two players and, and they realized it didn't work. Like is James Harden worth that? Probably better than Pierce and Garnett, but oh, yeah. is he worth it? I, is, I is his attitude yeah. worth it? Like, are you willing to jeopardize your entire team's chemistry or it's already on the rocks to begin with? Are you willing to, to damage it further with this guy? I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm questioning it. I really am. I, I think the only difference is when they acquired Pierce and Garnett, um, they were on the end of their careers. True. Comparatively, right? Harden is still in the prime of his career and he's still arguably one of the best players uh, in the NBA. So to me, I think that makes it a little bit more worth it comparatively. Mm. Um, yes, it's still a haul to give up, but I think it makes it a little bit more worth it compared to, like, yes, obviously the contract's a whole different thing, but if Brooklyn wants to resign him, they can resign him. That's yeah. as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it, it basically, if Harden was this big to push a trade to Brooklyn, I don't see him not resigning. I think is the biggest. That's thing, fair, right? So if he, if he was like you know if he came to Toronto, there's a 95 percent chance he wasn't resigning. It's as simple as that. Like it's like that type of thing where yes, he goes to a contender, but there's I guess brighter spots out there that he could have gone to. It right. Is really what it is. Right. And Brooklyn's probably one of the brightest spots when it comes to Durant and Kyrie. But I think the biggest thing is with Kyrie, looks like he's coming back right now. But even then. Harden running the point with Durant, I think works. Yeah. I think it works seamlessly when you throw Kyrie in there, then it becomes interesting because then there's three people that opt out of the ball yeah. compared to Harden doesn't need the ball. He's, he can facilitate, he can facilitate the ball. He could average 17 assists in Brooklyn if he really wanted to, but he's dishing to Durant the entire time, mm. but he's also dangerous for a pull-up too. So I think that's where like that combo comes in handy. Um, and as for the Oladipo thing, the only reason why I don't like it is because Levert's signed for multiple years at a cheap contract. That's and, arguably, cheap. and arguably is the exact same type of player as Oladipo right now huh. because Oladipo is not the same player he was before no. his injury. That's also true, yeah. So to me, to me, as Houston, like, why, why, are you giving up, why are you doing this for Oladipo, who's a one-year, he's going to free agency next year, and he's probably not going to resign unless you give him a max contract. Hmm. Like, why are you doing that when Levert could give you the exact same thing and could be a centerpiece of your team for years to come around those first round picks? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that, that's just my opinion. It's one of those that doesn't make sense in my opinion. Mm. Houston wanted to be the redemption team. They have John Wall. They have DeMarcus Cousins. Now they have Victor Oladipo. It's the redemption team. It's three it's guys. It's not the dream team. It's the redemption team, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's three guys who need to prove something after coming off injuries. So. Yeah. <laughs> If um, I get, if I get, sorry, if I get like even two percent defense from James Harden, I think the Nets win the the deal. Just two percent of defense. I think, in my <laughs> opinion, I think the biggest the biggest X factor in the Nets' success will be how Kyrie Irving can be part of the team because this is a guy who didn't want to be a number two to the best player in the world in Cleveland behind LeBron James. He went to Brooklyn, was signed first. And then they signed Durant and he became the number two behind Durant. And now there's a, I mean, realistically, he's probably the number three now behind Harden and Durant in Brooklyn. How does he respond to that? How does he become a team player? That will be the biggest X factor in how well this Nets team does. If he can step in and understand, okay, we have three superstars. We need to play together and find a way to do that. This Nets team can go very, very far. But if he goes prima donna and goes a little insane and decides I need to have the ball all the time and keeps Durant and Harden from touching the ball on offense, mm -hmm. that's when we're going to see this Nets team struggle because they will become one-dimensional where if he goes one way, he passes, but every other time he keeps the ball, people are going to key on that and they're not going to get anything. And that is the biggest, that's the biggest question mark for the Nets team. I think talent wise, they have a, they have a very good chance to go deep in the East, if not win the East. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. Talent wise, they have the roster. It's whether or not that talent can play together. And I think it really hinges on Kyrie because we've seen Harden and Durant play together before different, different time in each of their careers, but they played together before and they were very successful at OKC. Now you get to put in the now you get to put in another wrinkle with Kyrie. How does that affect the two of them? How does that affect Kyrie? That's where it's going to be the biggest change. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
other NBA stories we want to talk about, the Raptors. Because we're in Toronto, we have to talk about it. The Raptors are poop. <laughs> Is there any other way to say it, Kyle? No, they can't. They can't shoot. They can't play defense. They can't do anything. They don't know who the center is, and clearly they don't want to give the starting job to Boucher yet for some reason. So, because uh, they signed they signed Baines, and they want, <laughs> they want to give him every opportunity to win that spot. Apparently, so. But I I don't know. They just have not looked good. Simple as that. They haven't. I mean, the, the sad thing is, is that they're not even last in the East. Like Detroit's two and nine, but mm-hmm. we expected Detroit to be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington. Some people expect it to be better, but outside of Beal, not a whole lot going on in Washington. No. Uh, and then the Raptors are, the Raptors are right there at 13th, one game up on Detroit. That's not good. This is a team that was supposed to compete for playoffs, if not be top four, mm-hmm. and they can't figure it out. And the questions are coming: Is Siakam a good enough player to be your number one? Is Ky- is Kyle Lowry on the decline? Who is the number one center? And I think the biggest question is, where did the defense go? This this is a team that was like top five, top ten in pretty much every defensive category last season. Mm-hmm. What happened to the defense, Irfan? Well, you lost Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, first of all, who are fantastic defenders on the ball. Pick up your rebounds. They're getting beat on the board a lot. And I think I said this last week, their net rating was so crap um, two weeks ago last week um, that it, it hasn't improved. And I, and I echo what Kyle said. Boucher needs to start. Like, the guy is able to pull up a tray when he needs to. He, he gets a long jumper in. He's fighting for the ball. Um, I think it's time to put some faith into to, to Chris Boucher there. Um and, and I know you mentioned Spicy P there. Spicy P's had a good couple of games. Like, he's come out firing. He knows he has to step up, and he's mm-hmm. doing his best. I mean, obviously, it's against the Hornets and, and teams like that, but that's a confidence builder. So I like the fact that he's he's playing up to it. Does it continue? Maybe. Um, but I think everyone around him needs to pick it up a little bit. Uh, Kyle, Kyle's going to do what Kyle can do. Like, Larry's going to do what he's designed to do, right? Like, he's going to... He's going to distribute. He's going to put up some shots, um, but like he can't do it alone. Like we need Van Vliet. We need Powell. We need Baines, who they signed to really do something. Uh, Anobi is a good defender, but like going on the other side of the, the game, he hasn't been there. So I think collectively the Raptors have taken a massive step back. And whether that's, you know, finally saying let's change our starting five and give the rest of the guys a chance just to see what we can mix up. Um, Maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe Fred needs to come off the bench a little bit more. Maybe Kyle needs to come off the bench and see if that changes the dynamic of the team. Like what happens when uh, Kyle's not there next year and um, Van Vliet has to run the offense. Like we need to give him a look. So maybe now it's time to test things out and see if they work. And if they don't work, you're going to see some trades. And when I say Kyle, I'm referring to Lowry, not our buddy Kyle on the podcast. Sorry, guys. I keep going back and forth saying Kyle. No, but... I think I think Kyle could be the uh, point guard for the Raptors right now behind uh, Van Vliet. I think he could be on the bench. <laughs> at this point, probably. I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably better than Matt Thomas at this point. So. Uh, Kyle, what, what is the biggest issue on the defense right now? Do they suck right now? It's, it's just simple as that. Like it's, it's, it's one of those, um, at this point, you're looking at if you can't improve, um, where when do you blow it up? I think is the biggest question. 
right? Because because at this point, Kyle Lowry is your best player, right? I guess consistency wise, um, and he probably has the most value. Obviously, you expire in contract. You know, you can probably get a trade for him. Uh, you look at kind of what the what the uh, Pels got for Drew Holiday is a very similar haul of what you would probably expect for the, uh, the Raptors to get for Lowry. Um, obviously, I, I honestly think Lowry is a better player comparatively, but um, obviously, I, I'm kind of thinking that they're not going to come out of the rut because I, I don't know if they're a strong enough team right now. Um, you know, Pascal's improved the last couple of games for sure, and you've got a couple of wins based on that. But if he doesn't show up on any given night, there's not exactly a lot of secondary scoring comparatively right now. So um, OG has been kind of a, a disappointment, I think, in, in my opinion. Um, he hasn't taken that step forward offensively is what everybody thought he was going to, you know, from where, what he was doing in the bubble comparatively. Uh, and now what he's doing, I guess, here. Um, he, he's still great defensively, and he, he will be continuously, but we, we, they need that offensive part. And if not, then it's Norman Powell who starts. It's, it's got to be somebody who's willing to do that because Freddie's been hit and miss so far. Uh, Lowry's be consistent, but you know they've got absolutely nothing from the center position right now, unless Boucher's in there. And it's just it's it's a team that doesn't have an identity and needs to find one. For sure, for sure. And it's it's crazy to look at their stats because like if you look at minutes per game, Boucher is top five on the team in minutes per game. Yet he's not started. Yeah, that that says a lot. That that means Nick Nurse knows that Boucher is playing well, but just doesn't have confidence in him to start for some reason which I, I don't understand but if you look at the top five points per game on the Raptors it's who the starting lineup should be it's Fred Van Vliet at number one Pascal Siakam at number two Kyle Lowry at number three Chris Boucher at number four and then OG at number five those are your top five points per game guys why is that not your starting lineup at this point like <laughs> And it should be the starting lineup. The other thing is that the, their bench has been terrible. They've been awful. Their bench has been just, awful. Like the Outside bench, of Boucher. But, like, the bench was the best part of the Raptors the last two or three years. Was The bench was – was the bench was the best in the league almost, I'm pretty sure, for the last two years. Last and, year, not as much. The year that they won, for sure. Yeah. But, like, the bench was – the bench was the reason why they won so many games because they would take their starters out and their bench would basically just continue on where the starters left off. And, and now, and now they put their bench on, and it's like, oh, there's a three, oh, there's a three, and it's like, it just doesn't work. And I, I don't know if it was, you know, Davis and his whole issues in the off season. Matt Thomas seems to be taking a step back compared to what it was. Um, obviously, Boucher has been Boucher, but then losing, losing, I think that Ibaka Gasol switch in center has been huge um, because Alex Len. Uh, has been okay. He hasn't been bad by any means, but Aaron Baines has been god awful. So uh, it, it's definitely they're missing pieces. There, there's pieces that need to be either added or subtracted, but they're they're in trouble. So their shooting is down across the board. Their defensive rate, defensive rebounds are down. Their points per game are down. Rebounds overall are down. Assists are down. The only categories that they went up in are steals and blocks. That that means, A, you're on defense probably a lot more because you can't hit a shot. Mm. And that's not a good place to be. So the Raptors have some huge question marks. 
and there's no doubt about it. Also, I want to throw this out there. Carl Anthony Towns, this guy is the most unlucky person, and not just because he's on my fantasy team, but he tested positive for COVID yesterday. This is the same guy who's already lost seven family members to the virus. So you know in his, the back of his mind, he's probably terrified right now. So we wish him all the best, just like we wish any individual who tests positive for COVID virus. But for him, like we are definitely thinking about him here at Garage Door Sports. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to set up the divisional round playoff matchups in the NFL right after this. back four matchups to go boys let's get into them and by the way both conferences one two five six didn't realize that till this morning one two five six <laughs> reinforcing has got their sword in the stick apparently yeah and the sevens <laughs> yeah sevens are sevens so let's get into the afc first and very fun matchups, I think, both of these. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with the one versus six matchup, the Chiefs versus the Browns. And the Browns came out and took it to the Steelers last week. Is there any doubt that they deserve to be here at all after that performance? No. No, no they deserve to be here. What does this game have that could surprise people, Kyle? Um, to be honest, I don't think there's a whole lot. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think it's simple as that. Um, I think the only thing the Browns can do is run the ball and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. I think that's their only chance if they have one, um, is they have to run the ball and they have to run it a lot. They have to kill clock. They have to sustain long drives and they can't do quick three and outs because that's where Patty Mahomes kills him. Absolutely. Uh, Earthphone, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, the Browns have to start off fast. They did that against the Steelers. It paid dividends. They were up big early. Um, but then once you're up like that, they were up. Um, and it, I mean, part of that was Big Ben throwing four interceptions. But um, if you can, if you can get early points and then play better defense, um, not give up. What did they give up after that? Uh, it was like 37 points. You can't do that to uh, the Chiefs. So. If you're going to take a lead, play better defense. Um, and, and like you said, guys, keep the ball away from Mahomes. Uh, the more his offense is out, the more they'll kill the time. Um, and and the Browns won't be able to do anything with it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, quick sidetrack here, though. Uh, we talked about Big Ben. Is he done? Like, yes. is, it, is it time for Big Ben to ride off into the sunset? Yes. I think so. It's simple as that. That or I'll go pick up like a a number two quarterback that has a potential to be a number one quarterback next year and sort of do a transition year, and then Ben's done. I I just think his body's given up on him. It is Mm. as simple as that. You know, he had the shoulder surgery last year, and it just seems like he never fully got healthy from it. You know, you you, you look throughout the year, and yes, he he had had a good year by by quarterback standards, but – you could tell half of the games where he was shaking his arm out or whatever it may be. He was trying to trying to get that elbow loose and it just, it didn't work. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, I think it was very telling after the game. Uh, you saw the images of him sitting on that bench, just looking dejected. 
But the one that caught my eye was there was a video of him sitting next to Marquise Pouncey and he said, man, I'm so sorry. Like I did this for you. I, I wanted to, I wanted to do this for you sort of thing. Like that, that's very telling that it sounds like he was done. Like, well, that, that's because it's Pouncey's done. That's why. No, I know, but it sounded like he came back to help to try to do it for Pouncey. Yeah. Now that Pouncey's done, he doesn't have a whole lot else to play for by the sounds of it. This is a guy yeah. who's won a Super Bowl. This guy has done like everything there is to do as a quarterback. He doesn't have to prove anything anymore. No. So no. it's time. I think it's time to just ride off into the sunset and eventually probably into the Hall of Fame because it's the NFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the other AFC matchup Bills against the Ravens. The battle of the 2018 first round quarterback draft picks in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I want to say the Bills have this one, but the Ravens looked very good against the Titans. The Bills have this one. I want to say the Bills have this one. I'm just saying the Ravens looked very good against the Titans, Kyle. I don't know if the Ravens look good against the Titans, or the Titans look so bad against the Ravens that it made them. The Titans' offense looked horrible, but I'm saying the the Ravens' offense looked good. Yes, like at a certain point, I think you have to throw the ball, and I think the Bills are going to make Lamar throw the ball. So it's going to be a very interesting game. can he throw the ball is the biggest question. That, that's been the biggest question since he came out of college. Can he throw the ball? So um, to me, I think the Bills offense is just too high powered. And I don't see the Ravens secondary score. Like they stop him. I, I really don't, you know, I think, um, I think Peters is probably one of the most overrated quarterbacks and cornerbacks in the league. I think half of his, half of his interceptions are ones where the receiver falls down and he just catches the ball um, evidence of last week. Um, and I, I just the, the only interesting thing I think is is how Humphreys does against Diggs and I think that's the biggest question um, the Bills don't run the ball so it doesn't matter about Baltimore's front anyways and, and the Bills offense uh, offensive line is decent as is so um, to me this, this is all Bills um, the only thing that worries me for the, as a Bills fan would be the fact that your run defense isn't the greatest and that's literally 99% of what Baltimore does so. Pretty much. The question, I think the question becomes is the Bills offense, there's no doubt about it, that they're significantly better than the Ravens defense. But how much time is the Bills offense going to have on the field? Because you mentioned it, the Ravens offense is run. That is, that is their game plan is to run and throw when they have to. They're going to kill the clock just because they're running run plays over and over and over again. So the Bills are going to have to capitalize when they're on the field, and I think they can. But if the Ravens can put together some long drives, keep Josh Allen on the sideline, get him cold, especially in Buffalo, it could play a factor down the line for sure. Right, Irfan? I think so. I think you're 100% right, and I still think you're right, Kyle, in the sense that um, that rushing, that Ravens rushing is first in the league, right? Like, they're freaking great for it. Um and the Ravens' defense is seventh. I mean, so what we have to do is you have to, we're going to see the number two offense versus the seventh defense, basically, if the Bills can can kill the clock and have the ball the whole time. Um, but if if what the Ravens did to uh, the Titans, who the Titans like to rush as well, um, and they outplayed them. They had uh, a focus to win, and, and, and if they're just as hungry as they were last game, I think the Bills are going to have a handful. Like, this is going to be a tough game for the Bills, but... Um, I'm with you on this one. I think the Bills have to win this one. I mean, they're they're an overall better team, um, and they just have to stop the run. 
I'm playing devil's advocate. I totally think the Bills win this game, but I, I have to keep the conversation going. To, to, to have an interesting AFC championship, it has to be the Bills that wins. Agreed. Because yeah. the Ravens are going to absolutely sh- get shit on by the Chiefs, if that's the case. No, I agree 100%. Let's flip over to the NFC, and number one versus number six is the Packers versus the Rams. And I think some of us were a little bit surprised by the Rams beating the Seahawks last week, although I don't know why we're surprised. The Rams always do really well against the Seahawks. I don't know what we were thinking. We didn't Seahawks, play that into account. Yeah. Seahawks are also frauds, so it's as simple as that. Well, yeah, they did not play well. But I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, the C- the Seahawks always struggle against the Rams, no matter if it's a regular season game or a playoff game. Why did we not see that coming? But the Rams have some question marks going into this game, and the biggest question mark, obviously, is who's going to play quarterback? Because Jared Goff, while he did play in the wildcard round after Wofford went out, he didn't look confident in the pocket. He, his throws were wonkier than mine. And that's a huge question mark going up against a Packers team who just puts up points. Like, I don't care how good your defense is. They always put up points. They won't so, put up points for this week. Huh? They won't put up very many points this week. You don't think they're going to put up points this week? Not against the number one defense, to be honest. It's, it's going to be... Aaron Rodgers is going to have a have to find a secondary target to throw to, uh, whether it be you know Lazard or Valdez Scantling, because Jared Robert Rand- Tunyon. Uh, fine. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm but, just saying you, you forget that this guy has become a, a target for Rodgers this year. After yeah, he, he's become a target, but he hasn't at the same point. I mean, there, I there's certain games where Rodgers just doesn't even see him. He could be wide open on the field. Just doesn't I know. I'm just saying, like, he has become sort of a target for Rodgers along with those other two. So as long as he can get yeah. the ball to those three, they'll be fine. Because it, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams. And Jalen Ramsey has shown time and again that he can shut down top wide receivers. So, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting that fact. Also, the fact that that Rams defense stops the run and Aaron Jones has been hit and miss whether he actually can run or not. So, um, oh, yeah. he's hit and miss is very, very p- nice way to put it. So, so to, been to hit me, and maybe he's been missed yeah. and maybe kind of hit. <laughs> so, like, like, to me, Packers win this game. I yeah. do agree with that. But I don't think it's going to be as, as like a, a large scores you think I, I i can see this being like a 21 7 game or a 21 10 game that's kind of that's kind of what i was thinking but i was just saying i was saying off the top just because the packers can put up points the rams have to put up some points like 10 points 100%. is not going to get it done in this game no and, and it's gonna be one of those like i don't see green bay losing this unless jared goff miraculously doesn't have a broken thumb anymore and just can throw the ball like no tomorrow or cam Akers goes off for 200 plus yards against that green bay defense i don't know um but like that that rams defense is going to keep them in games as simple as that I, I i've been undervaluing the rams defense the whole season i've been getting screwed by it so i'm on the point where i'm just not going to undervalue it anymore no and i i think that rams defense is phenomenal and they will they will limit how many points the packers put up there's no doubt about that i mean that front line of the rams is disgusting Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Ramsey, so that you know that they're good, but are they good enough to hold the Packers to enough to f- few enough points to give their offense a chance in this game with Goff being hurt? You don't know. You actually don't know who's starting technically. I know they said Goff, but I, I don't trust that until I see him take the first snap. 
and if he gets hurt, who's their backup? Like Blake Bortles. Yeah. <laughs> Zero faith in that one as well. Oh, I have more faith in Blake Bortles than I do in John Warford. So uh, that is a valid point, but I don't have any faith in Warford either. So, our <laughs> so. uh, fun. What are your thoughts on this one? Um. If they can pull up to a lead and take it into the second half, Sean McVay's team might win this one. What are they like, thirty-seven and zero when they go into a lead uh, into yep. halftime? Like yep. that's a ridiculous stat. Like full marks to the Rams in that defense. Like I think I was watching that Seahawks game and I was like, well, I wanted the Seahawks to win, obviously, but I'm sitting there going, that defense is so good. Like just taking away space, taking away time for to Wilson, taking away wide receiver space. Even their offensive line was very good. So, um, like, protecting Goff because they knew that he would need an extra second or two just to get the control of the ball because of his thumb. So, yeah, I, I think we can't consider them underdogs by any means. I think the Packers are going to have a, a rough time playing. I think the Packers are going to have a tough time. I know your eyebrow just went up, but I really do. I think um, they're going to have to find another way to get the ball to their star players or, you know, pick uh, uh, Rogers is going to need to pick a different target just so to surprise that defense. So it's going to be a close game. I think the Packers will win, but um, I think it'll be a close game and it's going to be a fun game. My eyebrow went up because you said they can't be considered underdogs, but you literally just said the Packers are going to win. That makes the Rams underdogs are fun. <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. I mean, Underdog means the one who's not the favorite and the Packers well, are the favorite. To, well, to, like, to, to be honest, they are underdogs. You, you look at the standings too. They're number six. Yeah. yeah. They're they're the underdog, but it's not a huge gap between the favorite and the no, underdog. That's is what, what I was saying. trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's my, but that's why my eyebrow went up. I'm like, underdog. They, they are the underdog. <laughs> well, you know what, though? Like, I, I think a lot of people will probably bet on them, uh, considering that defense is, is really good. So maybe they're, I don't know. It depends on if you're better and which what's way you're the, going. Uh, what's the line at, Kyle? Uh, Rams currently plus six and a half. Yeah, I probably wouldn't take that, but I think the Packers win by a touchdown. But uh, it, it could be interesting to see that betting. Uh, last game, guys. And this is the one that I think everyone predicted at the beginning of the year. Oh, wait. Breeze did. <laughs> New Orleans versus Tampa. Breeze versus Brady. I actually like Tampa's chances in this game. Am I am I in the Am I in the few? Not I don't know if they'll win, but I like their chances in the game just because I don't trust the Saints defense, which kind of sounds funny. Saints defense is top five in the league. So I know, but there's something about it that just screams that something is gonna go wrong in this game against Brady. Like if anybody's gonna pick them apart, it's gonna be Brady. No, it's primetime Brady. He's gonna fucking choke. Simple as that. Well then, all right. This coming it's, from a Patriots fan. It's, it's at six forty. You can't play after you know four o'clock anymore. Fair. <laughs> he's gotta, he's gotta, he has to tuck his kids into bed. He can't play after four o'clock anymore. It's simple as that. Like it's, it's just straight up. It's as simple as that. He just can't play after four o'clock anymore. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's going to be an interesting game regardless because you get Brady versus Breeze, and anytime those two match up, it's good. But. Breeze obviously has the the overall record against him. He's five and two against Brady all time. Very few quarterbacks can say that they have a winning record against Brady. Breeze has more than a winning record against Brady. So, Irfan, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, considering I didn't predict either of these teams to make it through on the first round because I picked the Bears and the and the Washington Football Club, <laughs> I 
Yeah, I went I went underdog. Those were like definite underdogs that I picked. Um, <laughs> yeah, no shit. No. Um, those weren't underdogs. Those were dogs. <laughs> those were dogs. <laughs> um, I think the Saints pick apart the the Bucks. Like, I think it's gonna be a game where like Brady's gonna be good, but I, I like how good is he gonna be? Like after four o'clock, I, I think Kyle's on the right track here, being a former Patriots fan and seeing him losing, uh, like. No, not a former Patriots fan. Him being a former Patriot player and seeing that, um, um, just seeing that and going, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried. But uh, I think the Saints win. They're gonna pick them apart, and Brees is gonna continue, and he's gonna be six and two against Brady all the time. You heard it here first, folks. Irfan is no longer a Patriots fan. He said he's a former Patriots fan. We're gonna hold him to no, that. No more cheering for the God, Patriots. Was, uh, no more. Thank you. I'm at. Uh, I was talking hey, about Brady. If, if, the Pat, if, if the Pats re-sign Newton, I'm fucking off the train. Like fuck. Kyle's <laughs> jumping ship. Come on, please. NFL gods, help me out here. We we are tired of hearing Patriots talk. Oh, fine. I'll, I'll join my dad with the Bills. I couldn't care any less. I know that's fine. I would rather you cheer for the Bills and the Patriots. I'm totally tired of hearing the Patriots talk. It's just so. like Bills got to figure things out. Let's put it that way. The the Bills or Bill? No, Bill Belichick. Okay, I was just I'm just checking. I thought you said the Bills, and I'm like, uh, I think they kind of have. Uh, yeah. So I, I have I have Packers, Bills, Chiefs, Saints. I, I have all favorites. Um, I think the closest game is honestly probably going to be the Bills Ravens game, but even then, I don't think it's going to be that close. So, there. Or fun year four. Same. It's the favorites. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm the same. I, I will stick with what I had uh, before the playoffs. I think the Saints box game might be closer, but we'll see. All right, boys, that'll do it. Let's get our final thoughts. Irfan, we're starting with you this week. Woohoo! Woo! Um, <laughs> uh, there's soccer this week. There's football this week. There's hockey this week, and there's basketball this week. Everyone have a good weekend. Stay happy. Have wings. Have some beer or wine or whatever your your poison is, and, and enjoy the sports weekend, guys. That's a good one. I like that one. Kyle, you're out, man. Um, honestly, uh, I love the hockey's back. It's been it's been great for me so far. Uh, the only, the biggest thing is I just hope that COVID stays away from the NHL and that we can actually have a full season. So we don't have the issues like Dallas has so far. I hope Dallas is the only issue we have. Um, so to me, that that's my, that's my final thought is just please let this go off. Well, we've been seeing it in the NBA. They've had a lot of issues. They've had 10 games already canceled or sorry, not canceled, postponed. Mm-hmm. I will not say canceled because they're going to try to make them up. But 10 games in your first three weeks is a lot, or four weeks. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's that's asking for trouble. Like, at the last five days, I think they've had a game postponed, at least mm-hmm. one game postponed, mm-hmm. and that's not good. So hopefully the NHL can uh, do what they did in the bubble, in these modified bubbles that are the divisions, and mm-hmm. uh, keep keep players safe. Keep players, keep staff safe. I agree. Um my final thought, I had one. Where'd it go? I can't. I, I had a good one. <laughs> uh, I'm blanking. But I will say this I know it's a few weeks away. The Six Nations rugby tournament is still coming up. Make sure you get excited about that because that is always entertaining. Uh, a few years ago, we were in Ireland for the final of the Six Nations, weren't we, Kyle? 
and I was that was incredible. I mean, it also happened to be on St. Patrick's Day in Dublin, and Ireland won the game, right? Yep. So, like, it was pretty ridiculous to begin with, but <laughs> it was, the the tournament is always fun to watch. So, if you are a rugby fan, or if you aren't a rugby fan and you want to try out a new sport because it's COVID. Give it a watch. Find a way to watch it because it is it is entertaining as all hell. Absolutely. And there's some big hits. If you're a football fan, give it a watch. <laughs> That'll do it for us here at Garage Door Sports. If you want to follow us, you can follow the show at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you are looking to follow us individually, you can follow Kyle at Kyle Vardy on both. You can follow Irfan at Irfan Manji on both. And if you want to find me, it's at Nick McVicker, M-C-V-I-C-A-R for that last name. Cause I know people spell it wrong all the time. There's no K. <laughs> There's no K. It's also not MacGyver. Interesting. People Wait, look people at my last they're... dude. They're people look at the last name and they say MacGyver and I'm like, I... There's no G. <laughs> don't know where you're gonna if you want to follow the network you can always follow our website at garagedoorsports.com for all of our shows make sure you tune in to all six of the shows on the network with our newest one being on the mic with kellen forrest a college basketball show featuring some interesting insight from a true diehard college basketball fan unfortunately he's a kentucky fan <laughs> Duke, 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 Duke. It's unfortunate. We let it go. We still have him on. He's uh he's a great, great host. So make sure you give that a listen. 20 minutes on ice with Ryan is every week on Tuesdays. I'm also on that show, so it's you get to hear my voice a couple more times a week. Uh if you want to listen to Irfan, you can listen to him more on Touchline Thoughts. If you want to listen to Kyle, you can listen to him more on the betting house. And as always, we want you to listen to everything, so make sure you do that. Did I miss something? Kyle, you're looking like I'm missing something. Nope. I think I got everything, didn't I? I think so. Good yeah. job. We got everything. <laughs> so, for everyone here at Garage Sports, thank you for listening, and make sure you tune in next week. It is our 100th episode next week, so we will have a special guest on. We're going to have some fun. It might be a different episode for sure. But we're going we're gonna to make it entertaining for our 100th episode. So thank you for listening. We will see you next week.